Hi, Ed. Hey, Tom. Hello. Hello. How's um, it going? It's going all right. I've got a, uh, I've got an interesting beer. An interesting beer. Yes, it's a, um, a Vermont vacation. I've, I've got a chocolate bar milkshake. Because you have not. I have. I've, I very much have. I could, I could send you a picture of my chocolate bar milkshake. What kind of chocolate bar we're talking here? A whisper. Whisper. Yeah. Whisper. Yeah. Ed, I'm not taking authority on anyone that can't eat milk. Right. I'm I'm just gonna say this on chocolate. Before I couldn't have them anymore. Do you know the the best chocolate bar was undisputably a lion bar. Yeah, but I can't have those because they've got nuts in. So oh, of like course, yeah. I don't I, you're arguing up the wrong tree here. I've I've got a I've got a more limited selection than you did eight years ago before you bowels turned to shit. I mean, everyone's bowels turn thing to shit, Tom. <laughs> We're back, everyone! <laughs> <laughs> and it is lovely to be back. Hello, and welcome to Stiff Up a Lip, the NFL podcast by Brits, with me, Ed Wilkins. Me, Emma Hebron. Me, Sam Long. Me, Tom Chapel. Excellent. Lovely. On this yeah. auspicious day. It's, uh, a, it's only the second time we've tried this. Yeah, but we, I mean, this is probably going to be worse than it the first time we will. tried it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it worked anyway, and at least we know that it should record. And if it doesn't, then may God have mercy on his souls. Yeah, we'll just keep going. If we have to, we'll meet in the middle of a field and just shout to each other. Well, that's what I was sort of thinking. Like, if this doesn't work, just I'll bring a terrible sort of flat pack table, uh, sit outside your your building, and then uh, just wait for you to to wheel my microphone out to me <laughs> on on a little on a little rolling table, and then we'll just record from sort of betwixt the barrier if we have to where do you want to begin um uh, shall we begin with last night ed let's do it um so last night for those in the know and those not in the know the sort of the traditional curtain raiser of the season from the uh super Bowl winning team last night it was a rematch of the was it the afc divisional yes it was with yep. the houston texans playing away at the kansas city chiefs I thought it was a it was a decent game in a lot of ways. I thought it wasn't it wasn't incredible. A bit of a preface: when you see a game that has Mahomes and Deshaun Watson as the starting QBs, you think this is going to be swashbuckling quarterback play. Yeah, but because both of the teams were sort of feeling each other out, it was far more I don't know some sort of dink and dunk type stuff like. I, it wasn't it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't the sort of sixty yard bombs that we used to see in both of these guys throwing. That's sort of what I had earmarked out. It was I mean, I don't know if you sort of kept tabs on how many uh jump passes Deshaun Watson ended up making over the top of his of his own O line, but I think he made like six like sort of mid air passes. It's almost as though he sort of looked at Mahomes last season and then because he's trying to like get used to throwing a ball again, because you know the only the only thing that anyone's had so far is just training camp. It was there was a lot of sloppiness about uh, about both teams. What I will say uh, is that when the Chiefs got going, D- 
did they get going or what? Bloody hell. 31 unanswered points, was it? Something uh, like that, yeah. Yeah. Edwards, hell yeah. <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude is like... Oh, sorry, Hilaire, even. Uh, dude killed it. What, his first ever NFL game. Absolutely smashed it. 112 yards and a, and a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. He, play, he played very, very well, I thought, Edwards Hilaire. It's worrying on two fronts. And it's worrying because Mahomes has got another weapon and he's retained essentially all of his starters except for the guards and then got a new weapon out of the backfield. It's scary for the 15 teams left that have to play him, quite frankly, because when you add a player who is a consistent rushing and receiving threat to that offense, then they could they could trot out anyone in the back 11 and still have a hope that they're going to come out of the game with the win. Hang on, I'm, I'm just going to get the, the stats up because... The the Chiefs spread last uh, last night was was something to behold. It essentially sums up exactly what everyone should be scared of right now about the Chiefs. So on the rushing side of things, uh, we obviously got uh, Edwards Hilaire with 138 yards and a today, um, including that 27 yard touchdown running, mesmerizing. Um, but then with the safety on his arse. It, it was it was filthy. I'm pretty sure it's illegal in 12 states what he did to him. Um, Sammy Watkins ended up obviously taking one jet sweep. Uh, Daryl Williams getting seven carries in the backfield as well for 23 yards. But then in the sort of receiving stats as well, I mean, Tariq Hill didn't even really have much to do really on the day, ex- except the touchdown catch that he had. It always mesmerizes me with the way that Tyreek Hill can sort of win these one-on-one catches despite being about three foot four because it is it is impressive and he had another great one um, last night. But I mean, Sammy Watkins, eighty-two yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, fifty yards and a touchdown on seven uh, on six catches. Uh, then Hill with forty-six. Demarcus Robinson, I think his his stat line ends up looking a little bit weak because of the amount of drops that he had. I think he had like three or four drops, um, but he got targeted six times. Yeah, targeted six times, made three catches. Dude could have made so many big plays in that game. And that's, that is just the sort of strength of the Chiefs. I mean, by all accounts, Patrick Mahomes didn't even really have a Mahomes level day, but you definitely fancied them more than the Texans to get anything out of the game, even when the Texans did go uh, sort of seven, seven and nothing up. So I mean, I'm I for one am, am shit scared about the uh, Chiefs, but if I was a Texans fan, I'd be shit scared about every game right now. I think. Yeah, it's it's difficult to see that when you see Deshaun Watson running for his life on so many occasions, and also watching the ball sort of splidge out of someone's hands who you might consider to be sort of like a wide receiver two-way on your team. But it it was so clear today that he was missing Deshaun, uh, sorry, DeAndre Hopkins. It was plain to see that he was missing a sure-handed receiver who comes down with a contested ball. Yeah, I mean, Will Fuller by, did have a good day on the end of it, but I think Will Fuller is, a, is an undeniably great Number two, I don't have him down as a as a number one wide receiver, and I think if you if you're having to rely on Will Fuller not only to be consistent but also healthy for an entire season, then Randall Cobb didn't have much to do. Brandon Cooks didn't have really much to do. It was very much leaning on Will Fuller and and leaning on Deshaun Watson doing 
Deshaun Watson things. Um, I mean, David Johnson ended up having quite a decent game, really. Uh, averaging seven yards a carry. Only had 11 carries, but they were chasing the game for a lot of that. He was making me people miss sort of before the line of scrimmage, which says two things. I mean, it says that he's maybe perhaps in a place where he can regain some of that form from is it 2016. But I think also it shows that that, that Texans offensive line is just as porous as we expected it to be. I mean, the fact that Deshaun Watson didn't get sacked particularly often is, I think, more due to his escapability than any anything sort of the Texans were able to protect him with. Well, he ended up sort of taking four big ones on the day, but I think that the most jarring one was the fact that uh, Tyrion Matthew ends up in a position where he's able to get to Watson, put him under pressure and force him to sort of throw this lazy, lazy throw in the air. Easily picked off by, again, another rookie, actually. The Chiefs clearly drafting well. Legereus Sneed. I mean, to be fair, catch. like, I could have made that pick. He was, there, yeah. was no, there was no one within 10 yards in any direction. Yeah, but the, the rush at the end of it. Matthew being a safety, you're not expecting him to make any form of outside O-lineman just miss in that in that regard and I, it was just a poor day all around for the for the Texans aside from the occasional decent play and, and Deshaun Watson really so but yeah one good thing that happened uh, which then got marred by uh, Americans being American uh, was the moment of unity pre-game I mean what can what can you say really uh if there is a moment of unity and it's not in the way of the national anthem and it's not political and you're booing the shit out of it, you cannot say at that point that you have any excuse to deny that you are a racist. Because that's what that was, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah. Just straight up racism. And it exposed a lot of people, I think. Because they waited until after the anthem. They waited for any form of reason why anyone could kick off about it to have passed they did their thing it took 83 seconds i think in total 83 seconds and people booed it and i, I disgusting but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's it's one of those things where couldn't quite believe what i'm seeing and then jj watt made a good point after the game where he was just in complete disbelief and uh I mean, if J.J. Watt's in disbelief, then as far as I'm concerned, then you need to be fucking running for your life because that dude is scary as shit. Mm -hmm. He's coming for you. He's coming. No, you're exactly right. The equivalent is like cheering a fire in a school. Like, (laughs) why, why are you booing the Black Lives Matter movement? Why are you doing that? And I know there's... I've got one word for you. Racism, Ed. That's, That's all it comes down to. Uh, so this week's bastard of the week, uh, in the first NFL game of the NFL season, uh, I mean, I was planning on giving it to the coronavirus, but unfortunately, uh, the fans in attendance last night and the people on Twitter, you are the stiff upper lip, bastard of the week. Bastard of the week. Bastard. Um, well, I, I would just clarify that that obviously some people there weren't booing and you are not bastards well as far as i'm concerned like people that are getting offended by anyone calling out people for being racist shut your goddamn mouth (laughs) if it's if it if the shoe doesn't fit 
then don't fucking kick off about it, Cinderella, because as far as I'm concerned, fucking damsel in distress over here, fucking ugly stepsisters, you're just as bad. Get out. Not bad. Anyway, we've got more games, Ed. We've got we've got plenty to discuss. We've got we've got much 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 to discuss. Um, I mean, we've games. We can preface a lot of stuff. I don't know where where do you want to begin? Should we should we start at the to- at the top and work forwards? Or I think I, I'm I'm happy to, to to move through the rankings. So uh, let's start in Buffalo. With Buffalo Bills versus New York Jets, who are you picking, Ed? Who is your what's your take on this game? <laughs> the Bills are going to win this game. I, there's 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 very real there's a very real danger the Jets are going to get swept away by the second quarter. They they are overmatched in every possible category. The Bills yep. D line is going to stifle the Jets O line. The Bills linebackers are going to cover the runners out of the backfield. Sam Donald's going to have no one to throw to. He's going to panic under pressure and he's going to throw some picks. Josh Allen will be shaky, but he'll be all right and he'll rely on, you know, quite an interesting running game and a solid defense to keep him keep him clean. And at the end of the day, this is going to be a recurring theme for the Bills. They're just going to arrive at games and just have that quality to not even really make it a competition. Do you think that the Bills, at this very early point, have got a very good chance of... of- Making a playoff uh, berth, really? Do you, is that something that you could see happening in four months' time, Ed? I think they'll win the AFC East. I don't, I don't see a true contender other than the Bills in the AFC East. On a serious note, any position across the AFC East, the Bills have either the best or the or a contender for the best position. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds, Stephon Diggs, Matt Milano, Tre'Davious White. Like yeah. Ed Oliver, like I can just, I can keep going. Yeah, I'm fully in agreement. By the way, I, I do think that the Bills will win the AFC East, and I think that they'll be, they'll be coming out of here, cheeks rosy as a barbecue wing. So as far as I'm concerned, I've also gone Bills, as have all of us, except Sam, who's yet to comment. But Sam has all... provided us with his. Has he? Yes, he has. Wow. We all we all actually got the Chiefs uh, Texans game right. By the way, we like we said uh, last year with with our predictions league, we're carrying that forward again. Um, we've actually changed it up slightly because of uh, Senor uh, Aggregate over here, who basically could have won based off of how many correct results I ended up getting overall, but. Uh, on the week by week basis, I ended up losing more than more than I potentially should have done. So, we've we've gone for an aggregate score now over the entire season, two hundred and sixty-eight for nothing is 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 what would be if we'd got it all right. And now, and so far, we're all one for L. And Bills Jets probably will end up two now. We have swept them across the board. The Bills are going to beat a Jets team, which is lackluster to say the least. I mean lacking talent at the top end and bottom end of the roster which isn't a isn't a good place to be in yeah i mean as far as i'm concerned there's only one position on the depth chart that i'm taking new york in and it's well running back and that's just because i i do think that lev bell will bounce back a little bit from last year he had a poor year in comparison to uh, his time at the bank of the three rivers however you can't really ignore Le'Veon Bell, especially when you've sort of 
got sort of a packet of what's-its at wide receiver and that's pretty much it. No no, no defence whatsoever now that Jamal Adams has gone. As far as I'm concerned, the depth chart game alone is, is not looking great for the Jets. Would you like to move on, Ed, to um, your game of the week? Yeah, well, like, it's my game of the week and I think it's the game of the week of many because it's the Vikings at home versus the Packers, which... Uh, I mean, it promises a treat for fans of the NFC North straight away. Division rivalry. There are few rivalries in football that are more relevant than Vikings-Packers. There is a lot of animosity on both sides. Um, And this year, it's maybe the most open it's ever been in recent memory because I think that the, the Vikings were better than their record last year and have strengthened. And the Packers were slightly worse than their record last year and haven't strengthened. So it really is anyone's game. And I say that as a Vikings fan. I, I want us to I want to say, oh, we'll crush the Packers easily. But we've not we've not crushed them in a long while, not since Anthony Barr broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. And it's sort of um I'm very, very excited for it, but I am so nervous right now to think that they're coming into the US Bank without fans week one. Yeah, I think that that's the sort of thing that's thrown me off. Um to, to sort of preface this, by the way, I, I probably should have mentioned it earlier. We will be wrapping up what happened during the off-season uh, in a better term. However, because of the fact that we basically just need to preface like week one, get our predictions in, get all of our info out there, that's sort of what this episode is. It is a week one-focused episode, but we will sort of wrap up a lot of pre-season because a lot of things happened, Ned. A lot of things um, mm-hmm. So we will be we will be going going firmly over that at some other point potentially in the next week or so. Um, maybe we'll just spread it out over the next four years. That is how big the twenty twenty off season was. Mm-hmm. Um, it will go down in history certainly as one of the more zany off seasons for many many a reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of our predictions, it's actually quite an even split. Really, we've got. Uh, two Packers, three Vikings, and a tie. No surprise, I am the tie. Uh, what did Sam end up saying, Ed, as well? Um, Sam's gone Packers, so it's a tie so, and a tie. It's a tie and a tie. It's uh, over under three and a half. That's what you're getting. That is our stiff upper lip betting odds for you. But uh, I can't separate the two teams, unfortunately. And I think this is going to be the interesting one regarding home fans from week one because obviously teams will be affected but I think a division rival like this at the US Bank which I mean the Vikings fans are loud proud and ready to get rowdy but uh (laughs) yeah it's true there are a few there are a few teams that have a stronger home field advantage than when you know, the Vikings are playing at a full US bank. But interestingly, before we move on, do you know who the only fans in attendance for that game will be? I'm going to say uh, the person operating the Gallahorn, two members of security. No, it's actually um, the Vikings reached out to the family of George Floyd and uh, oh, really? the family of George Floyd will be the only fans in attendance. Well, I can respect that big time. And that is, I mean, because that's where uh, the atrocity happened, wasn't it? It was in... Minneapolis, so that's right. Yeah, um, a good a good move uh, from the Vikings, proving that their owners are one of the less shit in the NFL. Yeah, so good on good on them. Washington Eagles. 
I appear to have gone against the grain on this one because the the other six people in our betting league think that this is going to be an Eagles victory, but something tells me that Washington are going to come in and play some incredible defensive football for Ron Rivera and then consider it a season. <laughs> what, just after this one game? They'd just be like, yeah. right, we're going to yeah. show up, we're going to beat the Eagles, and then that's it. 1-15, tank for Trevor. Um, no, I don't, I don't see that happening. I think that the Eagles, now that they've got sort of a lot of their uh, injury-laden players back, I think that they'll be back at a sort of talent level that Washington are absolutely nowhere near. It's important to note that we are addressing them as Washington because that's another thing that happened in this this past sort of off-season. Um, mm-hmm. And we will mention no further of it because that's ruined one of our jokes, Ed. The Washington racists are no more. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's no... Yeah. There's there's no more racism associated with that team, and it's just just videos of naked cheerleaders, apparently. <laughs> Is that actually what? Have oh, I missed something? Did you not see? That? Oh yeah, um, there was a uh, a scandal recently where um, a couple of former cheerleaders have spoken out against Dan Snyder for apparently having a secret video commissioned of them changing between a swimsuit calendar or something. For God's sake, Dan Snyder. Yeah, he is. Um, he is uh, the human equivalent of like, you know. Have you heard these stories about how like when people flush their seminal fluid down the toilet and then like it gets sort of like fertilized by some weird sewer egg and creates these like horrifying creatures? I have heard none of what 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 you are saying, um, but. I'll take your word for it because, uh, yeah. I mean, I was just going to go for something that, like, you know that key that's above the tab key that's sort of like three uh, symbols and nobody really knows how to access any of them or what they actually mean? That's what Dan Snyder is to me. He is that key. Just completely fucking useless and nobody needs him. I think that's generous. I really do. I think he's seminal fluid fear creature. Okay, so uh, take a take a vote on that on the Twitter. Uh, will he be uh, the key that I can't name, or seminal fluid sewer babies? I yeah, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever said like a stranger string of words. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it, it is good to be back. And should we move on to the next game, or do well, you have anything yeah, was... more you want to say? I was going to say moving over to more seminal fluid. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, ladies and gentlemen, they're up next. Uh, they're playing the Baltimore Ravens. I have it down as a Ravens win, which is no surprise. But as as you will find out uh, when we reveal our power rankings, maybe maybe this is one of a few losses for the Browns. And when I say a few, I mean few. I actually think I'm quite high on the Browns this year. Um, not in terms of their personal standing with me. I think all of them should go and fucking wash their heads. But uh, from a talent level, they actually now interest me slightly. Not because of those perspective of sort of... I mean, they've got most of the guys that were there last year. Um However, they don't have Freddie Kitchens, so that's that's one that's one plus because the guy could not coach. 
uh, or couldn't be a head coach anyway. Uh, Baker Mayfield regressed to a point of almost no return. So, I mean, anything's an improvement, really, unless he goes like full bottles. I think that that'd be tough. Obviously, they, on paper, their wide receiver core is is still tremendous. They now added Austin Hooper in, in the offseason. They've improved their O-line quite a lot. I think the Browns are going to be a, a tricky customer, just not tricky enough for the Ravens, unfortunately. I think that the Browns are like every team who will melt under the headlights, or rather melt under the floodlights, because they're good at every level. Like, there's no real argument to be had for that. And I, I mean, I think Nick Chubb is an incredibly talented running back and carried to concerns are now there where they weren't before. But obviously, Miles Garrett is defensive player of the year candidate when he's not killing folks. So it's difficult to be low on the Browns, but I'm certainly higher on the Ravens. I just think they are one of, I, I should preface this by saying as a, an enormous fan of the running game, you know, I grew up on a, Mike Zimmer offense. I'm I'm such a big fan of creative running. I just think this Baltimore team is so exciting. There are clear weaknesses to both of these sides, though, as well. I mean, you look at linebackers for the the Browns. You look at perhaps the D line for Baltimore, and you think mm, there are some issues there. Again, who's going to catch Lamar Jackson's passes again? But I don't know. It all comes down to that man. Last year's MVP, number eight. I don't think. I don't think the Browns are going to be able to cope with the skill set that Lamar Jackson brings to the table. I do I do very much agree on on that regard. I think giving a little bit more credit to sort of who Lamar Jackson's got to throw the ball to. I mean, Mark Andrews had a breakout year last year. Marquise Brown coming into his sophomore year could could be a big a big big star. Obviously they play sort of almost three running back sets at a time. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, they still have a very good O-line. Uh, although one thing that happened is obviously, was it Marshall Yander retired last uh, at the end of last season, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's already a pro bowler off of their O-line. Yeah, all pro. Well, yeah, all pro even. Um, we'll probably end up in the Hall of Fame as well, to be quite honest. And I think... Yeah, I, obviously they've added Calais Campbell and Patrick Queen, which sort of improves that team. But will Earl Thomas's departure be at all a detriment or potentially a positive to their team? Um, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, again, no preseason, no no reference point for any of this shit. We're just going based off of fucking last year, mate. We, we what are we meant to do? We'll do. We'll, we're we're going to provide the best damn analysis we can, but we've got no eye test whatsoever. But uh, yeah, you're a big fan of sort of answering your own question. I've noticed. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do? We're going to go for it. How are we going to do it? We just are. I mean, if I'm sort of talking to to you, I mean, I don't I don't know whether or not you'd be answering our question. Not for any reason other than I just don't think you're that arsed about answering my goddamn weird questions. I'd rather just provide some answer. I'm not expecting the podcast listeners to be answering any of my questions. That'd be silly. What are they going to do? Talk? I did it again. I can answer my own question again. Every day, one man 
was to sit on the floor in some pillows next to a clothing rail in a spare room while his colleagues sit on a comfy bed with appropriate seating. For just £200 in total, we can get this man a chair and a table so that he can podcast in comfort and not need to stretch his groin every week. Please, please pledge as much as you can or as much as you really want to to this poverty-stricken boy and help him afford a table and chair. Please go to http colon forward slash forward slash www.stiffupperlippod.com forward slash the cleft chinchilla appeal appeal. Thank you and please donate what you can to this unfortunate boy. Thank you. This has been a message brought to you by the Cleft Chinchilla Appeal Appeal Foundation. If you would like to know more, please visit our website. Thank you. Anyway, moving on swiftly. Uh, Jags Colt said, This game could be great, but I doubt it's going to be. The Jags team is the worst in football. I think, aside from Beth, we're pretty much a consensus about this. Um, it's a team... Yeah, I agree. It's a team that's bereft of playmakers on both sides of the ball. You know, Gardner Minshew is great and he reminds us of football players of yore, but by that same token, he's essentially throwing it to DJ Shark and that's it. That is it. And even that's yeah. generous because, you know, Shark might regress. The Colts, people are higher on the Colts than I am and I'm sort of low on them for one reason. It's that, they really, I think they're going to really, really struggle to generate a pass rush. Unless someone like, um, I, don't, I can't remember the guy's name, unless the pass rusher that isn't Justin Houston has a um, breakout season, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And a good, a, good, a good QB can beat a good secondary when he's not pressured. Yeah. You know? even, a, even a Daltonian passer can pick out the, the open guy if there's no pressure on his face. And you know, it remains to be seen whether the Colts are just going to get burnt because because they can't pressure the QB at all. They have enough for the Jags, but a mid-tier team, I, I, th- I think they'd struggle defensively. That's that's my honest opinion, and I know that it's it's one not a lot of people share because I think everyone's excited for sort of Philip Rivers to finally be playing behind a decent defensive line, and I think I've often been the most high on Philip Rivers of everyone in the year. Uh, Everyone on stuff up a lip. I know that Tom has his opinions. Um, I'm getting ready to voice them. Don't worry if you've forgotten them over the course of the last year. But go on. Yeah, go on. You just give us what you think about Philip Rivers, and everyone knows how I feel about the guy. So, I mean, Phil Rivers is obviously a very talented player. My problem with Phil Rivers is that. It always seems as though he's just, he doesn't have any form of clutch factor. I mean, like you mentioned, the Colts will have more than enough to beat this absolutely awful Jags team. Uh, And I do think that they'll end up in a playoff position. Um, Because aside from the Titans, really, who who else is going to offer them anything uh, in the way of a threat? I mean, they're getting four wins based off of the Texans and Jags based off of what I'm thinking about them anyway. So... That's four right off the bat. A nine and seven could potentially get them there due to the new sort of playoff rules. But 
Phil Rivers, he's a man with all talent and almost no substance to it. And then you sort of factor in that now he's regressing. Uh, last year, I mean, the Chargers O-line was poor and it, it was shonky to say the least. But I mean, how many lazy throws did he make last year? It was almost as though he sort of, he'd realized that he couldn't run anywhere. So he just decided to sort of toss up a little, just P-roll or like a fucking, it's almost as though someone had overinflated his ball and it had turned turned into one of those like Tesco flyaway balls and he was just fucking launching them up for people to catch. Because the amount of interceptions that that guy threw that were just bad passes, just straight up bad passes. Mm. Well, he he has always had that sort of like slight gunslinging sidearm way of throwing the ball. So you think, well, if the body's starting to break down, I I think the guy's, is he going to his age 38 season? Uh, I think, yeah, definitely. He's getting up there. around then, yeah. If you think that his, his, mechanics looked off at times last year there's, there's no amount of sort of protection that's going to be able to salvage that exactly and as i mean ty hilton is great but like in the same way that will fuller is is not someone that you can rely on for an entire season because of injuries i don't think the colts can rely on ty hilton staying out there and staying healthy for a full 16 game season i think he'll get injured at some at points and Looking at the at the sort of wide receiver room for the for the Colts, considering what Phil Rivers had last year, which was sort of uh, he had Hunter Henry, who was one of his favourite targets at tight end. He had Keenan Allen, who's the top five wide receiver in the in the league in my in my estimation. Could not disagree more. But anyway, let's move on from that. Yeah, it just aside from Ty Hilton, I'm not seeing anyone really that the. That the Colts have got to really catch any of the balls. I mean, Jack Doyle's all right for maybe sort of 450 yards and six touchdowns a year. Yeah, he's a good red zone target. He's sort of, he's got that Kyle Rudolph role as just sort of like a um, short pair of hands in the red zone, but he's not going to beat anyone downfield. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. That's that's my opinion on on the Colts, but like you mentioned, the Jags have have been sort of torn apart, almost like a scrap heat challenge at this point with with the Jags. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's, it's clear the tank for Trevor is on. Yeah, um, and to be honest, if I was if I was, uh, is it Sadiq Khan? Yeah, yeah. No, if I was Shahid Khan, Sadiq Shahid Khan's Khan, London. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Apologies. Uh, if I was Shahid Khan, I would be. I'd just be getting rid of Doug Marone, uh just right away. Because if we're already in a rebuilding point at this point, and the Jags have fully embraced that, get a guy in that you'll actually want to work with you guys. Doug yeah. Marone is not going forward as a as a Jags head coach, and if he is, then God help everyone in Jacksonville. I mean, God help them anyway, because like it's Jacksonville, but. Especially Jags fans is all I'm saying. <laughs> Panthers Raiders. Panthers Raiders, yes. It's it's not gonna be one for the spectators this. And that's that's no criticism to players like Christian McCaffrey who's gonna do his best. Josh Jacobs on the other side. Two very, very good running games. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say it. Derek Carr has never 
lit the world on fire since his MVP caliber season. And so far, Teddy's proved that he's an incredibly capable game manager. But this is going to be the battle of the West Coast offenses, isn't it? You know, five-yard passes, swings, slants, running, and very, very questionable defense, I think, is, yeah. is that's the order of the game here. And I, I'm not high on the Panthers this year. I, I think they're in full rebuild mode. I think they've got enough talent on offense to keep things ticking over. I think Teddy's a fine QB, so I don't see I don't foresee any problems there. But I think the Raiders will just have too much for them. Interesting. See, I'm in agreement that this is not going to be an entertaining game, aside from Jacobs v McCaffrey against two bang average defensive lines. Um, but the only problem is, is, is I see the Panthers in a position where they will be running through walls for their new head coach. Whereas I don't see the Raiders particularly giving too much of a shit about what John Gruden's got to say at this point. Um, he, he, he had a good five weeks last season, John Gruden, and then they fell well and truly off a cliff. And I don't know whether or not it was because of the fact that they were, they were missing key players through injury or uh, they were too distracted by sort of the Oak, uh, Oakland fanfare leaving party or whatever, but it just their team regressed to a mediocre slate of bang boring. And as far as I'm concerned, Panthers are going to be more up for it. You usually see it when a new guy comes in. He's usually influenced his team into into fully believing the ideas and then sort of three weeks go by and they're all sick of him again but yeah i i have the panthers winning this based entirely off of the raiders not knowing what they're going to really throw at them mm, yeah. it's, a, it's a fairly even split down the line of people who've said panthers people who've said Ra- uh, raiders i think that that's just it speaks to parity on some levels between these two teams I think it is going to come down to who has the better day Josh Jacobs or Christian McCaffrey oh yeah thousand percent um shall we move over to uh to another host team Lions Bears Edward unfortunately Emma's not here to 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 give us her feedback but I believe she gave us some footnotes did she not Ed she appears to have written simply go Bears yeah which in fact she also wrote Bears Rule about three lines down from that. But. Ah, I see. Well, now that we've got that out of the way... <laughs> I don't understand the Bears organisation. I don't understand what Ryan Pace is doing. Because I have never seen a team double down and then triple down and then quadruple down on a bad decision. Despite knowing it's a bad decision. I mean, they traded for Nick Foles. They're paying him, what, 18 million a year? And then they still have chosen to start Mitch Trubisky week one. The guy who can't throw to his left, the guy who can't read defenses, the guy who can't throw more uh, accurately further than five yards. I just, I have no idea what they are doing. And this is coming from someone that has the Bears winning this game because I don't believe in Matt Patricia as a head coach, whereas I do sort of still believe in... in uh, Nagy. Matt Nagy. But it just... Uh, 
For fuck's sake, Bears, stop stop treating the fucking quarterback battle like it's something that you can just sort of let your development talent stay out there. What? Is this is his third year now? Third, fourth, fourth year? Fourth year. Fourth year. I mean, opening day we saw Chiefs Texans. Both of those guys got picked above Trubisky. I'm sure everyone's sick of everyone saying it. Like, oh, you could have taken Patrick Mahomes or you could have taken Deshaun Watson. But like, how do you do how do you quadrupling down on this fucking bum of a quarterback? God. That's that seems to be in slight contradiction to the uh, the Go Bears assessment from Emma. Although I know she's in agreement with us on Trubisky, I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about the Lions because I think that you, you're absolutely right that Matt Patricia hasn't shown in any way that he's. I mean, first and foremost, I don't really feel like he's got the support of the locker room in the same way a lot of other coaches do. I think he he has a reputation for being a little bit aloof and also a little bit perhaps unpleasant to the players but that said I'm beginning to get slightly excited by this Lions attack offense they were um I kept hearing the word frisky they were a frisky offense last year before Stafford got (laughs) injured it's it's one of those things where I think this game is going to come down to whether Matt Stafford can find his receivers and I think if he I think if he can and the Lions come out to a lead, then I don't see the Bears assailing that lead because I don't think they have the I don't think they have the playbook and I don't think they have the quarterback to do, to do it. So I've actually picked the Lions for this game. And I appear to have been just about the only one to do so on our predictions. In fairness, I I do very much agree. I, I talent wise, I think that the Lions have got a lot to offer, especially in that sort of quarter and running back core because now they've signed Adrian Peterson so they've got they've got AP who's a very reliable ball carrier not gonna not gonna pull up any any daisies at this point he's he's getting sort of over the hill but plus he's not he's not a receiving back by any stretch of the imagination either so if he's on the field it's pass protection or a run exactly um but he is still a very reliable and a very experienced ball carrier then they've got Kerryon Johnson, who I think still has a lot to offer. Um, again, injuries have hit his career, but I, I do think that Kerryon Johnson still has a lot of upside. Uh, and then, obviously, another another sort of young guy in that core as well, DeAndre Swift, who very exciting, I must say. I mean, what, was he there? F- uh, no, because Akuda went... uh in- overall third overall and then Swift was their second round pick right I think so yeah. yeah yeah but he's he's another very very sort of talented uh, running back we also saw that Stafford linked up well with Marvin Jones Jr. last year I think that the Lions have got talent it's just I don't believe in the coaching whatsoever and and like you say I don't think that he's got any support from the actual locker room um I think that Matt Patricia could be out on his out on his look this year if the Lions don't end up having at least a somewhat decent year. Which they could well be do, because, I mean, the NFC North is as open as any division's been in recent memory. Yeah. I mean, Vikings and Packers are obviously the two better sides in the division, but anything could happen between now and December. Yeah, I yeah. could easily see the Lions getting the playoff spot, which isn't something I've been able to say for years. Yeah, it's almost it's weird, isn't it? Sort of 
thinking about the Lions as an actual functional team. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, on paper, they, they, they're a lot more functional than I think they probably will be, unfortunately, this year. Um, moving on to our first stiff upper lip bird bowl, Ed. Oh. We're going to put in an actual sound effect in later. Sorry, Emma. We, we're gonna we're asking a favor of you here, but we can't really use that. Ed, bird effect, we? please. How <laughs> dare you? Do you want to hear my actual bird call? Shall we see if my actual bird call works? Go on. It's not really got sort of falcons and seahawks level of of territory. Maybe maybe if it was a Cardinals game, then then perhaps. Do you want me to tell you a fact that I learned the other day? Go on. Do you know there's no such thing as a seahawk? I am well aware of this. <laughs> oh, and speaking of the Seahawks, stiff up a lip bird bowl. I've crowed about it, eh? I've crowed about it again already on this podcast, but for me, the most important part of football, the most important part of football is pass rush, and the Seahawks haven't got a pass rush at all. There's no hint of pressure in my mind from that D-line doesn't matter how good Russ Wilson plays and believe me he can play some good football but it doesn't matter how well he can play if the other guy has all time, all day to sit in the pocket and find the receiver you know if the if the rushers are breaking into the second level all the time yep. um, yeah I agree although the Seahawks have got they're one of the weirdest teams on defense because they have sort of two of the best playmakers, I think, in terms of sort of coverage guys in the entire NFL. They've obviously now got Jamal Adams and then they've got big Bobby Wagner as well. So it's it's like the Seahawks have got talent in that defense, but just I agree it's, it's not spread out enough for me. They've not got a... a a, a remotely functional defense as a whole, um, but then again, I mean Russell Wilson just does his thing, and Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, Chris Carson, who a very very underrated player. Uh, yeah, they have a lot of talent in that offense. Whereas the Falcons have got Julio, they've got Matt Ryan. Um, they're in a sort of other position, except they don't have a playmaker in their defense. It's definitely going to be a shootout this one for me. Yeah, I mean they do have Deion Jones, who I think took a step back last season at linebacker. And I suppose if Keanu Neal's healthy, he's proved that he can be a playmaker. But yeah, aside from that, you're struggling. And I've heard really, really bad things about. Is it C.J. Henderson the cornerback they picked? Have I got that right? Yeah. Is it, or is it A.J. Terrell? I can't remember which one. Anyway, there's. Uh, no, I think that you had them taking AJ Terrell, but he went to the Eagles, I think. I don't know. But anyway, um, whoever the Falcons' rookie corner is, I've heard a lot of very, very negative press about him from the sort of uh, the training camps, that sort of thing. Um, I have picked the Seahawks, but I think that they're going to do a lot worse than a lot of people's expectations. I think on another game, on another day, the Falcons could win this game. I don't think either of these teams are going to be in playoff contention. Wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
two more teams that may or may not be in playoff contention is the Patriots and Dolphins in a very wide open AFC East, as we've already touched upon. Um, I've noticed a pretty even split, really, on on Patriots or Dolphins. Uh, you and Beth, the only ones going Dolphins, though. Um, do you want to give us some some heads up as to why you've gone Miami on this one? I think it comes. I thought, honestly, I think this comes down to the Patriots. They've lost so much on both sides of the ball, and they they could still have a capable defense, sure, but. I don't want to say it's the end of a dynasty because, of course, they'll prove me wrong because of how good a coach Belichick is. But there's nothing remotely exciting about this Patriots side on either side of the ball, whereas there's something exciting for the Dolphins on offense and defense. So I picked excitement for this game, quite simply. You've always been a big advocate for Ryan Fitzpatrick being the most exciting player in the NFL. And by your admission, the best player based off of just purely entertainment factor alone. He's been confirmed week one starter. So um, it, it, it's very on brand as a pick for you. And it's also very on brand for our sort of uh, newly allegianced dolphin fan. anointed dolphin fan, yeah. Yeah. Um, to also be picking dolphins. I think I could have gone either way. I think that this one was in the same sort of vein as the sort of Vikings-Packers tie game for me. Uh, in terms of I could have gone either way. I ended up going down the middle in that one. I went with Bill in 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 this tie. I mean, yeah. No matter how many times I will always want the Patriots dynasty to come to an end, and no matter how many times they rewrite their entire team, it just never seems to go away. So I'd still find it hard to grasp a Patriots team that's not going to be at least competitive. They may, the, the Patriots team may have gone through several iterations, but they've always had two things. They've always had Belichick and they've always had Brady. Yeah. But I think that it was a smart call getting Brady out of there when they did. Because uh, dude was showing a lot of aggression. I think that Cam Newton, if he can stay healthy, can be at the level that he was back in 2015. It depends on whether or not he can stay healthy. I mean... In my opinion, they'll be getting sort of at least three wins from their division anyway, from from two wins against the Jets and one against the Dolphins, uh, purely because they can never win in Miami. It's it's their curse. It always will be. Um, hypothetical I, for you, Tom. Go on. Do you think a Tiger would survive being struck by lightning? Uh, I think depending on where it got struck and... How quickly it received medical attention? Yeah, I think it. I think it could. I want Emma to leave this enormously long pause while Tom digests the stupid question I just asked him. We appear to we appear to have pretty much been lockstep on this one. The game, in case you hadn't inferred, is uh, Bengals Chargers, and I think that. <laughs> I just fucking realised. I thought I still thought you were on about the Patriots Dolphins. I was like, "What the fuck are you on about?" (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the the game, which some people might be calling a damp squib, is Bengals versus Chargers. And to be, you see this on when we talk about the slate, and you think this sounds like a game where I'm like suffering from serious fatigue in week fifteen, and like neither team 
the both of them have been mathematically relegated at this point. But this Bengals team, dare I say it, I, they excite me. Joe Burrow I, is exciting. I was thinking the exact same thing you you were saying about how it could be a damp squib. I am paying close attention to this game, not just because divisional, but also Joe Burrow. Uh, AJ Green will actually have someone throwing the ball to him who will make plays happen on his own. Uh, he's apparently fit. Uh, Tyler Boyd stepped up last year, in, in my opinion. They've made some changes to their defense. They've got their first-round pick out lineman from last year back. The Bengals could be exciting this year. Not not to the perspective... I mean, they've still got Joe Mixon, for God's sake. Joe Mixon is going to get a shit ton of attention on the ball. Yeah, and he got paid out this offseason as well. He, he did. He got paid big stacks. Emma, play that clip. Money, here comes money. Here comes money. Just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> I think on the other side, the Chargers are sort of... Uh, they're a team that has the potential to flash... I think it would have been more interesting if we'd have seen Justin Herbert start in this game because then we'd have two rookie QBs at the helm. I think Tyrod is a game manager. He's clearly, if you've been watching Hard Knocks, he is clearly a remarkably good human being. But Mm. as an NFL starter, he's serviceable but not great. I think he'll limit the Chargers' passing attack. And I think that defense is going to sorely miss Derwin James. Well, it keeps happening for Tyrod Taylor because he keeps ending up in these positions where he shows up on a team that's rebuilding. They've got a new rookie QB who they seem to like. He's the starter for the first few weeks. Probably will have like a bad game in week four and then he'll never see the field again. And usually after everyone's decided they quite like him after hard knocks. So, I mean, poor Tyrod. Could easily be a backup elsewhere, but again, ends up in these sort of pretty poor situations he gets his dollar so i suppose we can't well yeah true that's very true god so i'm drawing the leaders into 49ers cardinals i think this could be a very telling game i think that this one's definitely going to be one of the most sort of intriguing games uh the 49ers defense hasn't really had any change to it except sort of trading away deforest buckner and then getting javon kinlaw back uh, in immediately as a like for like replacement, a very a very weird trade, um, and then draft. Um, I think it was it, it, he was going to have to be paid soon, so I think they got rid of him and then signed the player who could be the same at a much reduced rate. So I can understand why they did it. Yeah, um, against the Cardinals team, who obviously they've made uh, huge acquisitions such as uh, stealing uh, DeAndre Hopkins' big nuke from the, uh, from the Texans for, for pennies, absolute pittance. Um, but they didn't really fix their O-line, and they had one of the most porous O-lines last year, as far as I'm concerned. And facing a team that is all pass rush and noth- like nothing else, they don't have an offense, don't really have the greatest secondary. It's just all pass rush. I think that Kyler Murray is going to be under a lot of pressure uh, pretty much every time that the ball gets snapped. 
Um, so I think it'll be interesting. Um, I have the 49ers winning it, but I'm not going to write off the Cardinals for the rest of the season. See, I, I've, I've gone out on a little bit of a limb here and I actually think the Cardinals are going to win this game. And the reason I think that is because when done right, this sort of four wide spread offense it sort of mitigates pass rush because you can get the ball out quickly and there can't be as many men in the box. You know, if, if there's seven guys in the box, then the Cardinals are going to have a blast, you know? And mm. if they, if they do, if they do sort of empty the box, then Callum Murray's just going to use his legs. I think that once the Cardinals jump out to a lead, I don't think the 49ers are built to challenge that lead. I think they're built to sustain leads. So I think it, I think whoever scores the first points in this game wins. But I'm, my money's on the Cardinals. I do sort of agree with that. I mean, obviously, there's another name that is on that Cardinals team who ended up having a very good year uh, as soon as he arrived in Arizona, Kenyon Drake, who almost sort of had a, a sort of resurrection of his career, really, by leaving Miami, um, like a lot of players, really. Uh he looked fantastic last year in, in Arizona. And he, of course, will be sort of their number one back going forward. It it does sort of beg the question, really. How well can the air, air, air raid offense work in the NFL? Um, time will tell. But mm-hmm. I think fair enough. I mean, you were the only one that went Cardinals, but I think it's a strong argument for why you did it. Yeah, I, I I personally don't see the 49ers coming away with anything but a W on here. Um, I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong. George Kill as well. That's another thing I'll say. Just George Kill. Yeah. Just watch George Kill. He's great. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Just enjoy enjoy him while he's still around. <laughs> Makes it sound like he's going off to like go and join the fucking army or something. Well, no, he's. I mean, that guy's career is going to end when he decides he prefers wrestling to. Football. It is, isn't it? He's going to show up in fucking all elite wrestling, squaring up to Chris Jericho, and Jim Ross is going to be like, "By God, that's George Kittle!" And there you go. That'll be what'll happen. He'll just sort of not show up for practice one day, and there, there will be. <laughs> um, do you want to get us started on the next game, Ed? Saints yes. Bucks. A game that was has been an exciting game in recent memory, but now boasts perhaps two of the most legendary quarterbacks the game has ever seen facing off, which has happened very, very rarely in these two men's careers, actually. Saints-Buccaneers is a very, very interesting game. And of course, I want the Buccaneers to win because the Saints and Sean Payton is pure evil. I'm just <laughs> going to say that right now. There's, there's, no, there's no way around it. Both teams are stacked on offense. Both teams have underrated defenses. Both teams have wily coaches, even if one of them is. Ugh. I think if someone opened up an oblivion gate, then Sean Payton's would come tumbling out. <laughs> God, I don't think I've ever heard a boomer line quite like it. Um, I'm glad that you did make a point about the, the two teams having a very underrated defence. I keep seeing people talking about the, the Buccaneers' offence. I mean, of course they would be. Mike Evans and... Uh, fuck, what's his name? Um, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. Sorry, my mind went blank. Um, 
Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were already top five uh, receiving yard wide receivers last year. They're now having Tom Brady, who's more named than talent, I think, at this point, and Rob Gronkowski, who's more concussion than talent at this point. Um, they've shown up, and, and the Buccaneers have definitely won this year's uh, preseason Super Bowl, uh, only to probably finish seven and nine and sort of go out with a bit of a, a fizzle, really. Um, but that defense is terrifying, really, in Tampa. It's loaded. I mean, when you consider the run defense, that. Yeah. Fuck. Imagine. I mean, we've got to play the Bucks this season. I can't. I don't want to run on them. I've just one thing that I have just sort of noticed that we didn't mention uh, about 49ers Cardinals is the Cardinals do actually have our favorite draft player of the draft. That's true. Uh, last year, Isaiah Simmons uh, ended up in in Arizona. And from what I can see, they are reluctant to put a position on him, which I think but, is smart because he can play everywhere. Yeah, yeah, he is as versatile a player as you're going to see in the NFL, you know, this sort of like archetypal safety linebacker hybrid rather that's just come through. Some people, and I I hesitate to use this phrase, call it a money backer. I, I have heard the phrase money backer quite a lot. Um, I think it's cringy. I think it's I think it needs eradicating from this planet, but I have heard it before and I do think that if it if it wasn't such a vile word, it would be applied to Isaiah Simmons. Anyway, back to the books. They have a player, uh, a player who I, I think should have been defensive rookie of the year last year. Had he not gotten injured, he potentially could have been. Devin White, hugely talented middle linebacker. The guy is a monster out there, and it, he got better through the season, sort of, settled into the rhythm a lot more and and by the end of it he he was absolutely ridiculous out there partnering up with Levante David who's one of the most underappreciated inside linebackers I think in the NFC as well you've got this superb tandem I think um and then you sort of factor in Vita Vea, Shaq Barrett, uh, Jamel Dean had a had a very good year last year as well it is a scary defense for for Tampa Bay. I mean, everyone knows about sort of the Saints with what Cam Jordan and players Marshall like Lattimore that. and yeah, Marshawn Lattimore and stuff. Um, but put some respect on the on the Buccaneers defense, man. Put Precisely, some, yeah, yeah. Shall we move on? I mean, I would just say it was pretty even split across the board. Some people have gone Saints, some people have gone Bucks. I, it was actually I, it was. Three on three. What did Sam go for? Let me have a look. Sam has picked. Sam's so often the deciding factor in these, which is an odd thing. <laughs> Sam appears to have picked the Saints. Oh, so it's a four-three split. Helmer Hits is a non-profit organisation on Facebook that is helping to further the culture of American football in the UK by contacting councils to get the sport into schools and by helping donate money to current teams so they can buy equipment and kits and anything that they might need. If you go onto their Facebook group, you can buy raffle tickets for £10 to win autographed jerseys and helmets. So get on it now.
So I've heard a lot of crowing about the Rams this offseason, and maybe that's to do with hard knocks, but I do not say it at all. I think the Rams have made a big mistake investing in Jared Goff for the future, and I've been one of Jared Goff's biggest advocates up until this point, but my opinion's been changed entirely this past season. He was dreadful under pressure. Yeah. I can't look past the Cowboys for this game. I think that the Cowboys are dealing with problems of their own. You know, I think that what was once a dominant O-line is now a fairly average O-line in truth, especially with Lyle Collins set to miss some games. But I think aside from Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, the Rams are looking pretty barren of talent. Yeah, that is that is sort of the other thing as well. I mean, you look at, who the Rams have got and you look at the sort of amount of salary cap that they've used on those players, they have spent huge. And in the same way that I don't believe the Seahawks have got a well-balanced defense, the Rams have put all of their eggs into two baskets on the defensive side. And they are good baskets to put your eggs in. Aaron Donald being a top three player in the NFL as far as I'm concerned, and then Jalen Ramsey, who may or may not be the best cornerback in the league. He's definitely the highest to say. Yeah, he's definitely the highest paid cornerback in the league as he's just signed a new bloody extension. Um I don't I don't see why the Rams have spent in the areas that they have. And I think I think it's going to really hinder them because, I mean, they're never going to be able to shift the massive contract of J- Jared Goff. They're stuck with him now. They're stuck mm. with him until it runs out. And what, it runs out in 2025, is it? Something like that. So they're stuck with him sucking, as, as you and I will both agree. Um, they don't have a... a a real presence on that O-line right now, unless they're expecting Andrew Whitworth to unregress. Pull a good season out of his ass. Listen, I rate Andrew Whitworth still. I think he's a great player. I do. But I he is he is getting on in his years now. Is he thirty eight? Uh yeah. I think I'm I'm still I'm still of the opinion that he's got talent and he's a good leader for that O line and he'd be a good captain for the for the offense. But like you say, he's he's old. Last year was such a down year for him. I think they had the worst graded O line based off of PFF, uh, and I think the year before they had like the eighth best. So that was the year just, they made the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a huge regression all throughout. I don't think that their running back core is is at all as strong as it could be. I. I know that you are in agreement as well, Ed, because we've spoken about it sort of in, in our seven-month uh, hiatus off the air. The Rams could be one of the worst teams in the NFL this season. I Not only do I think that it's possible, I think that it's going to happen. I think that the Rams have flattered to deceive on more than one occasion. I think they'll this policy of inflating players and inflating contracts is about to buy them on the arse in a real way. Yeah, and it's also important to note uh, they don't have a first-round pick. So even if they are in a position where they are tanking, uh, I mean, they will never be in that position or they'll never admit that they're in that position. Um, Even if they do end up with sort of a top-five pick, that's just 
I mean, that's fucking going to Jacksonville. So, speaking of going to Jacksonville as well, do you know who the um, do you know who the Rams' backup QB is in case poor Jared Goff gets injured? It's uh, it's only fucking Blake Bortles, isn't it? Yes, it is, and that takes us, Thomas, to potentially the most important game of the uh, the the slate. Certainly, the one that's bound to cause the most tension. Um, it's our first. It's our first pod face-off. Uh, the New York Giants, the G-Men, fighting the Gerda people. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to start um, by not talking about the Steelers. I'm going to start by talking about the Giants. Because I want to know what you think about the Steelers, and then I will either agree or disagree. So I'm going to talk about the Giants here um, from an entirely regular perspective. I think the Giants have potential to improve this year. I mean, what, did they finish three and thirteen last year? Two and fourteen? Like yeah, was, it, it was it was rough. It was it poor. Um I think Daniel Jones with his second year will be better. Um I think he'll have that experience under his belt. I think Darius Slayton is going to definitely be one to watch. Uh, Saquon Barkley will recover from his downright tragic year last year. I think him being as bad as he was was the biggest detriment to the Giants last year. However, I don't look at their defense and think that any of them are capable I don't look at their depth chart and think of any playmakers. I don't think of anyone that could have a breakout year. I see a lot of mediocre and a lot of bad. Defensively, the Giants have, have definitely got to got to try and improve. Um, we've all gone clean slate, except I'm imagining Sam will have gone uh, for the Giants, because I mean, of course he will. It's the it's the Giants. Uh, Sam has indeed said the Giants will win. He's of course back to his own team, but we've all gone Steelers. Ed, what is your analysis on the Steelers? I'm going to say three words, and those three words are as long as because I think the Steelers are going to be a great feisty team. Asterisk, and I think that defense is going to be good no matter what. Whether it can be. The same as before remains to be seen. I mean, Javon Hargrave was an enormous piece of that puzzle because he enabled the rest of the guys to do what they want. But more than that, that offense, every single piece on that offense has this asterisk of as long as the passing game, Roethlisberger will be able to pass again as long as his elbow holds up through the rigors of the modern game. Juju will be a, a solid number one target as long as, you know, his health isn't going to become an issue and it's the same for James Conner, you know. There's things to like about this Steelers team, but there's also far, far more worries, I think, and I'm sure you would agree that as a fan, I, I, am, I know that you're very, very high on the Steelers this year and I think that you have good reason to be so, but I, I know that you must be intensely worried because... More than any other team, to me, that offense seems like this house of cards that as soon as one of those things go down, the rest of the offense just grinds back to a halt. I fully agree that we are the most as long as team 
in the NFL by a pretty much country mile because if all of those pieces do as I hope they do, which is Juju plays like he did when Ben was throwing him the ball. Ben plays like he did when Ben was throwing the ball. Uh, our O-line keeps up at least some form of semblance of, of a top 10 O-line. Uh, James Connor is as much of a threat in the red zone as he was back in 2018. Deontay Johnson keeps making people miss in the way that he did last season. Chase Claypool is that exciting talent. Uh, Vance McDonald stays healthy. There is a lot of there is a lot of asterisks on that team. However, uh, I think if all of those pieces do fall into place, and I know for a fact that there's only really two teams, I think, maybe three that do full full pad tackling in in training camp and the Steelers are one of them and I think out of all of the teams the Steelers have got a very good chance of being fully ready for week one we saw it last night where teams were sort of a little bit hesitant to take a big hit um almost sort of skittish if if they were potentially on the on the end of something I think that isn't going to be an issue for players like Juju who there's videos already surfacing of like Joe Hayden taking like huge shots on Juju and stuff like not from the perspective of sort of trying to hurt, but just trying to get ready because those hits will come. I believe that the Steelers could finish at the very least one win behind the Ravens this year. I think the Ravens go 13-3, and three, and I think if the Steelers' offense stays healthy, that defense alone will carry us to 12-4. and Because we saw it last year where it was, it was an 8-8 eight and eight team with a top-two defense and... Bottom-two QB play. Yeah, I mean, we ended up on our, on our third-string quarterback and third-string running back, second through eighth-string wide receivers. O-linemen were dropping like flies. Vance McDonald missed time on, on the field as well. Nobody stayed healthy last year. And I think if the Steelers can stay healthy, I, there is more than enough to get an extra four wins out of that team. I think TJ Watt will be a defensive player of the year. He should have already been one, as far as I'm concerned, but that's last season. I think... I think the Steelers win this one comfortably. Not to say that this is on the Giants. I just think the Steelers will be fully ready for week one. I think that this is going to be... There is a lot of hype riding on this team. I'm totally in agreement. I think right now, I think the worst result the Steelers can get is losing one of those key players week one. I think that's... The, the worst that you can look forward to over the coming days is having to deal without a Juju or having to try and go again without, you know, Devin, Devin Bush or that sort of thing. Yeah. I think we need to move on now to the, the final game of the week, the Monday night game. Well, um, this is the thing. They're both Monday night games. I that's didn't true, actually. Yes. The Steelers is on, at, what, like 8 p.m. Eastern time or whatever, or 1 a.m. for us. And then the Broncos Titans kicks off at fucking half three in the morning GMT or BST or whatever we're in now. 
So what about, is it kicking off at like 11pm at night in the States? I don't know. I don't know. Um, That's been crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is, well, I still call it the late kickoff then. Um, I'm lower on this Broncos side than a lot of people are. And I'm conversing, I'm probably higher on this Titans side than a lot of people are. So I've, I've picked the Titans, but I think this is one of those games of fine margins. You know, it's, it's at mile high, which always favors Denver. We've had this conversation before, but they're the only team left with a real home field advantage because, frankly, people can't breathe. Um, mm. In fairness, I was I was very much in, in that camp of the Broncos are the only team with an actual home field advantage, but seeing what Arrowhead was like at 22% capacity for the Chiefs, I think when teams are able to start bringing it, because uh, I can't remember who else is having fans in the stadium. I think the Bengals have got fans it's the, as well. Um, the, it's uh, the the team that I know for a fact is the Jags are the other team that have fans week one. Yeah, um, and I mean twenty two percent capacity. It, it it sounded like it was normal. Um, although in fairness, the Chiefs fans are usually boisterous. The um, same can't be said for the for the Jags or really Bengals. Yeah, all twelve Jags fans. They can't be counted yeah. on to make noise. Yeah. Um, but Broncos are in this weird position where they do have home field advantage entirely because of the atmosphere um, and lack of air. Again, people can't breathe. I, I think that Derek Henry and the boys are just going to steamroll at the Broncos. I don't think that they're going to have any answer at all for a strong, for a power rushing game. I think, I think it's that simple. I think especially with Von Miller going out for the year, which is, a remarkably sad thing, but now you look, can Bradley Chubb sustain the pass rush by himself? Not sure. Can all those wide receivers bed in? Probably. Can Drew Lock find them? Less sure. This my money's on the Titans here. Even if Tannehill we see some sort of regression to the mean. Yeah, I I, I think I agree. Like I I am high on the Titans again this year. I do think that they are a, a, a very good team. However, I think the Broncos have made the right sort of moves. Annoyingly, I did my prediction before Cortland Sutton was questionable with a sort of sprained AC joint uh, and before the Von Miller thing. I think I still do lean Broncos wide because they are uh, they are one of the other teams that do full pad training in training camp. So they were the other team that I was thinking um, that I think could be ready for week one. But then you see the other the other thing of full pad training because Von Miller's out for the season and Cortland Sutton's well, week to week. Yeah, exactly. Um, I definitely think it's going to be... I'm, I'm going to definitely keep my eye on this one. Annoyingly, I can't really afford to stay up till what will potentially be half six in the morning. I think Bossman uh, might have something to say. Yeah, uh, I mean, he will probably be listening to this, so he'll probably appreciate me not staying up till 6am. So I think that brings us to the end. We have done it. Found your ear holes again, listeners. We are back across the airwaves. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been, what, our last episode was pre-draft? It's been far too long. Didn't even do a post-draft. What have you been up to over over the course of the last six months? Also, Ed, just to give a listen. Tried not to die. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? Pretty much the same. 
I think I became briefly an alcoholic at one point, but I'm pretty sure that that's fine. Uh, and now I'm just sat playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater, I think, for the, till the end of days. All right, which, I mean, you know, could be tomorrow, frankly. Um, to our listeners, thank you. I guess it won't be as long next time. We've finally figured out how to how to do this shit. Emma, I'm sure you can insert some plugs in because we forgot to do it this time. But be safe, be sensible, be sexy. We'll see you next week.